Um, God's word for us today, so thankful to be walking us through John chapter 15. How great is it that you have God's word, all the answers needed for life and meaning and happiness and forgiveness, all the questions that people are asking in this life, how amazing that you have it in front of you combined together in a book for us to read in a way that's understandable. And really that's what we're celebrating here this Christmas season uh, in the season of Advent, which of course just means the coming and the arrival of the Lord. It's a time when we pause in our calendars and we remember not only Jesus Christ's coming, but also what that coming means to us, what his arrival means to us. Because Jesus Christ has arrived, he has met the needs of every human heart. Every human heart looking for peace, every human heart looking for hope, every human heart looking for love, every human heart looking for joy, all of those met in Jesus Christ. And here we are, week three in our series. We've looked at hope, we've looked at peace, and now here comes joy. Joy to the world, goes the song. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Joy is one of these words, isn't it, that I think we all sort of understand for the most part. Joy is this feeling in our heart where it's lifted into places of great delight. It's that feeling of sun on, on the cold day on your cheek. It's the family dinners around the table. It's the discovering that new place for coffee. It's the cozy nights by the fire and the warm hugs. For some, it's realizing that you, hear, that you are here today because of the grace of God in your life. For some, joy is found in completing all the lists. For some, it's completing something with your own hands, for finding that old photo album with those old loved ones that have passed on. For some, it's joy is found in taking the moment to be thankful for what God has given to us, for belting out a song in your car when no one's listening, for laughing so hard with your family and friends that tears are running down your cheek, your cheeks are hurting. For some, it's a random dance party with your children, for hearing phrases like, it's a girl. It's a boy. For some, it's sunrises and sunsets. For one person, at least in this room, joy is found in recognizing that there's still one person listening to your sermon 20 minutes in. <laughs> it's moments like these, isn't it, that we wish we could just capture. You wish you could bottle them up and take them with you always. And Yes, we can remember them, and yes, we can look back to them with fondness, but somehow the moments pass, and somehow you just can't get back to that same level of joy. You see, one of the hardest things about joy is that it's fleeting. It's almost by its nature, joy just can't stick around for so long. We often live our lives, don't we, on days of roller coasters. Up one day, down the next day. High one day, high joy, then low another day. That's good for roller coasters. It's not so much good for how you live your life. It's almost like joy just can't stick around. But what if it could? What if there was a place that you could bring your heart to? What if there were decisions that you could make today that would lead your heart to deeper levels of joy, a place of stillness, and, and, and keep joy not just for a single moment, for, for every single day? Do you think that would change the way that you would live? You ever have one of those incredible days happen to you of, of incredible joy and then something happens that's not so good? It just kind of bounces off you, right? It's like, I got so much joy in my heart that this thing that's happened to me is not really that big a deal. Oh, well, okay, yeah, man, I was sitting here for five minutes with my blinker. That was going to be my parking spot, but you go ahead and take it, man. The day is so filled with joy. 
You got you, you know, that's the last chocolate chip cookie, but okay. My day is so filled with joy. You've had such a great day, filled with so much joy, that all of a sudden, everything else starts to come into perspective. It's just a parking space. It's just a cookie. Who cares? I got joy. What if you could live your life like that all the time? What if instead of a roller coaster, you went on a ride? Call it a joy ride, as it were. And every single day of your life, you could increase, adding more and more and more joy to your life. Well, you're smart people. I think you know where this is going. What I want to show you today from God's word is that not only is it possible, it's actually a command. Going on this joy ride is an expectation of every believer in Jesus Christ. On a hillside, a chorus of angels called God's shot for him one night some 2,000 years ago. They said this, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And then some 60 years later, still in our New Testaments, the Apostle Paul in a Roman prison cell said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. You see, joy is not only possible, it is the expectation of followers of Jesus. Jesus has made this possible, but get this, because Jesus has arrived, joy has arrived also. John 15, let me read our passage for us, and then we'll pause and we'll ask the Lord for help. It says this, John chapter 15, verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Let me pray. Father, we pray now for your help. We pray now for your help that you would lead us, Lord, on this ride to deepening joy in our lives. I got to think, Lord, in a room like this, there are many that are struggling to find joy in this season. And there are many and good reasons why that is so. Some are heavy with pain. Some are heavy with anxiety and fear, hurting in their hearts. Where is joy to be found? Some, Lord, have wandered far from you. And feeling the hurt of that, come to the same conclusion. Where is joy to be found? Some have never met you and have lived a life thus far where there's not much joy at all. Moments, maybe, if that. But, Lord, your word promises so much more. Your word promises us the truth that because Jesus is here, because Jesus has arrived, there is joy possible for all of us in him. God, we pray, please, that you would do what only you can do, a supernatural work, Lord, in our hearts, in all of our hearts, myself included. Lead us to a place of great and lasting joy in you, God. Would this Christmas be the best Christmas ever? Lord, can we be so bold as to ask for this, that this Christmas be the most amazing Christmas of our lives as we see things for the very first time as we see things again with renewed restored perspective God refresh us please Lord we need you in your word please move by your spirit we pray in Jesus name
Amen. So John uh, chapter 15, where the text is in today, is a part of a big dialogue that Jesus has with his disciples. Let me set the context for you. From John 14 through John 17, in fact, Jesus is speaking some of his final words to his disciples, and only John's gospel is going to capture this. John's the closest in earth to Jesus, and he's writing these things down and gives us some of these insights. But what you're going to see at the end of this conversation is Jesus betrayed, arrested, and then crucified. Some of the last things he's saying to his disciples. And you can see that Jesus places a huge priority on joy in our passage. You say, well, joy comes up in verse 11, but there's a lot of love around that too. And that's true. But joy, verse 11, sits at the centerpiece. Look at verse 11 again with me. It says this, these things I have spoken to you. Here's my purpose. Here's the reason why I'm talking to you, that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be full. In other words, I've said all of these things to infuse joy into your life. My joy flooding into your heart. You know, like a blood transfusion. You ever been around anybody that before and after a blood transfusion, a loved one maybe? I have. To see the vitality return to their face. The life coming back in. That's what Jesus is promising, the same. My joy in you. If you hold fast to this joy, real and lasting joy, then it's going to flood into your life. I can have the joy of Jesus in me, is what he's saying. And what's more than that, it's not just a little bit of joy from Jesus. It's the fullness of joy. That word there for full literally conveys with it the sense of I've poured into your cup so much that it's going over the edge. Like a Monday morning coffee that you fill right up and you have to slurp to pick it up. That's the kind of fullness that Jesus is talking. Not just a little bit of joy. No, but a joy I'm going to give you that's going to overflow your soul. And you and I step back and say, yeah, okay. Lord, give me that joy. Well, here's the great news. Surrounding the text of verse 11, we actually find out what these things Jesus said to his disciples were that can flood joy into our hearts. Like putting three hoses into the edge of your pool to fill up the water levels, we're going to see three things that we can do that can intentionally make choices for joy in our lives. Here's the first. It's found in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Yes, Lord, lead our hearts to joy. Here's the first thing. It's this. If I want the fullness of joy in my life, to live a life of joy, then I have to abide in his love. Verse 9, I'll tell you this, is only 15 words long in my translation, the ESV. But it is astonishing in its truth. It is loaded with the truth that it's giving to us. It will bend your brain. So, so look with it again at me, and, and let's take it a little bit by phrase by phrase, and we'll walk slowly through this uh, and try and figure out some of what's said. As the Father has loved me, says Jesus, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. You ever thought about that phrase before? Because that's mind-blowing. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. How has the Father loved the Son? Well, the rest of the New Testament will fill in some of the gaps for us. But what we can understand is that the Son, Jesus Christ, has always existed 
from eternity past. There was never a moment when Jesus was created, when the Son was created. Yes, there was a moment in Bethlehem where he took on human nature, but he has always been the Son. We call that mind-bending truth, Jesus' eternal sonship. The Word of God calls us to worship our God who is one in three persons. And yes, that is extremely complicated. In fact, it is the most complicated truth you can even imagine. You can't even put your brain around that, how that works. That, that, that our God has eternally existed before time, before space, before matter was even invented as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's not three gods, that's one God. That's, who, that's not one God who puts on three different hats. Who am I talking to now? I'm talking to Father. That's not true. And existing as he does, one God in three persons, he does so in community. Each of the persons fully God, that means there's perfection in God. There's unity within God. There's community within God. So let's step back and and, and consider something on a practical level and ask the basic question, well, why am I here? Why did God make me? Did God make me because he needed a worshiper? Did God make me because he's lonely? Did God make me because he needs someone to talk to or someone who could love him? No. God had all of that from the beginning, in perfection. I mean, my brain hurts talking about this, but this is the testimony of the scriptures. There's more than I can say about this, but let me bring it down even more to a level that we can all sort of understand. Do you know what it feels like? Do you know what it feels like when you're in the presence of someone who loves you so much? Do you know what it feels like to be in the presence of a person who wants to pour love on you and doesn't want to take from you, who just wants to give? Maybe you felt that. Sadly, maybe you haven't. Maybe only fractionally felt that. Maybe not much at all. But listen, I think what we can all understand and we can all agree upon is that that would be a safe place to be, wouldn't it? Secured, loved, cherished, happy. In our imperfect existence, we understand that kind of love is pretty special. That's what and who God is. Now consider a perfect being, God, pouring out perfect love. The Father pouring perfect love on the Son and the Spirit. The Spirit pouring perfect love on the Son and the Father. The Son pouring perfect love on the Father and the Spirit. And what you get, what you get out of that is an infinitely happy God. Infinitely loved. As the Father has loved me. So I love you, Jesus says. Loved you from eternity. I've loved you relentlessly. I've loved you sacrificially at expense to myself. I've loved you overwhelmingly. And you can be sure that I will love you forever. With the unchanging nature of who he is, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And then Jesus says, Abide in my love. Now that's so obviously a commandment for my greatest good, isn't it? Stay with me, says Jesus. You don't need to leave. Just stay with me. Stay close to me. Hold fast to the truth that I love you forever. This Advent, we not only celebrate the birth of Jesus, but of course we remember the birth that led to the life that led to the death of Jesus. Just how much did God love you? 
Well, God saw you in your frailty, in your sin, in your weakness, and in your rebellion, and he loved you to the fullest extent that his heart could go. He loved you all the way to a Roman cross, rejected by men, sacrificed for the sins of the world, for my sins, for your sins. Right now, today, listen, God shows his love for you in that while you were still a sinner, he died for you. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. A few chapters from now, in John's gospel, Jesus will show them just how much he loves them. And he'll show you just how much he loves you. Church, do you want a joy that will never fade? You bring your heart to that place. Bring your heart continually to the place of remembering what Jesus has done for you. You have, listen, you have received the full and glorious weight of the love of God upon you. It's right there. Take it. But listen, there's a disconnect, right? Because we don't abide in this love. In fact, it's been a tactic from the enemy from the very beginning to cast doubt upon the love of God, to try and blind us from seeing just how much God loves us. But it's not true. It's not true that our God is trying to destroy us. It's not true that our God is trying to rob joy from us. It's not true that he's trying to pull all the good things away from us. Our God is trying to give us all the good things. But joy can't be found disconnected from him. But listen, it makes sense. Because if you were the enemy of your own soul, wouldn't you do the same? Wouldn't you do the same, bringing confusion about the love of God in your life? Wouldn't you try and tell the old lies that seem to always work? Why do we fall for this all the time? God doesn't see. God doesn't care. God doesn't love me. God doesn't want what's best for me. The old lies that they always seem to work. Why is it? Listen, it makes sense, right? If God's love is such a big deal in God's story, then it makes sense that the enemy would try and blind us to that love. And one of the ways he does so is pain. Pain comes in. The trial comes in. And now we step back and we're more likely to believe those lies. Maybe God doesn't see. Maybe God doesn't care. Maybe God doesn't love. And some of us are in that place right now. Listen, I'll give you this. The number two reason, number one's coming. Number two reason why you don't have joy today is because you have trial. And you have let go of the love of God. The pain, the loss, the heartache, the hurt. Jesus is calling you to play the long game in your life. Church, do not doubt. Believer, do not doubt for one moment that God loves you so richly, so wonderfully, so furiously that he stepped into his own creation and he gave his life for you. And because Jesus has arrived, joy has arrived. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And then some 30 years later, Jesus, with his own words to us, says, these words I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And that was said hours before his own crucifixion. Joy in the midst of pain is possible. Hold fast to the love of God. And we say, come on, joy. Come on, joy. I make a choice today for joy. Abide in his love. That's the first way. 
But there's another. Look at verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Not only does joy increase in our lives when we abide in his love for us and stay there, but if you want the fullness of joy, we also need to be abiding in his word. That makes sense. That makes sense, doesn't it? Jesus has just said that the fullness of joy comes from remembering the fullness of his love. And the only way to do that is when you're soaking in the word of God. The word of God, listen, is essential for joy in your life. You cannot hold fast to joy in the midst of every circumstance you might face. You cannot escape the roller coaster that you're on up and down, up and down, up and down, unless you're holding on to the word of God. You ever ridden in a car without shock absorbers? I'll give you all a spin if you'd like. The 06 Accord out there does it real well. Every bump, you feel it in your fillings, right? But when you've got good shocks, good shock absorbers, it's like riding on a pillow, so they say, whatever that means. God's word is the shock absorbers for our lives. When the circumstances rise, when the circumstances fall, hearts that are tied to the word of God feel the shock much less. Why is that? Why is that? Well, because God's word tells us the truth about the world around us. It tells us how to fix our eyes on God who is stronger than every circumstance we could ever face. The God who is sovereign over every circumstance we may face. The God who calls us to look to him and to remember that this life is fleeting. That this life is temporary. That you were made for somewhere different. This word, this, this, the Bible that we have communicates to us the truth. Why life is so difficult. But it also promised to us someday that this world and all of this pain will be gone. The Word of God communicates to us that God's not looking for my perfection. He's looking for my surrender. The Word of God communicates all of this. Shock absorbers for my life. All of that's found in God's Word. You say, that's awesome. Give us more. And I say to you, no. Go find them yourself. In love, in love. Listen, why do I say that? Well, because you can't steal someone else's abiding. My wife reads her Bible every day. But that's not you. My children are, are in the word. That, that's not you. I grew up in a home that was centered around the, is that you? If you're not in God's word, you can't live a life of joy. Number one reason why you don't have joy, because you're not listening to him. You've stepped away from abiding in the word. Listen, just as it's impossible to hold fast to joy if you don't stay in his love. It's also impossible to hold fast to joy if you're not in his word. Now, the wonderful thing is that they mutually feed each other. The more that I'm in God's word, the more that I'm setting my heart up to see the love of God. The more that I'm setting my heart up to see the love of God, the more that I want to be in God's word. Church, Jesus gave his life for us. We abide in that love. Church, God speaks to us right now through his word. We abide in that word. These things. I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. And we step back again, and we say, come on, joy. Come on, joy. I make a choice to have joy by abiding in his word. We abide in his love. We abide in his word. Here's the third thing. It's the last one. We abide in his example. Look with me at verse 12. This is my commandment, he says, that you love one another. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. That you love one another, did you see this? As I have loved you. 
Just as I have loved you, poured out the love that I received from my Father, I've poured it out on you. Now you are to pour it out on others around you. You understand then that the Christian life is not about a bucket of get, 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 receive, 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 receive. Our lives are not meant to be lived as buckets. Our lives are meant to be lived as pipes, conduit, a I get and I give. I get and I give. I get and I give. I receive and I pour out. I love. I've been loved, so I love. Listen, what God's word is teaching us is that you are made in the image of God. You are made to be like Jesus, and you will find the fullness of your life when you're loving other people like Jesus. You were not made to think only of yourself. You were made to be like God, who was the very definition of self-giving love. And here we circle back to that big mind-bending theology. Why did God make us? Not because he was lonely, not because he needed worshipers or someone to talk to or someone who who would love him. Why did God create us? Well, the answer is, is that God, who is love, 1 John, pouring out love, was looking for someone else to give it to. God, out of the fullness of his joy, wants to pour love out onto you, to bring you into this community of wonder and awe. And you were made to be like him. Well, how does this fit with our message? Well, very simply this. If you're living a life that is self-focused, if you're living a life that is only thinking of self, does not consider others, only wanting to serve self, me, 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 you will never find joy in this life. Number one reason why you don't have joy is because you're not listening to him. The correction, abide in his word. Number, number two reason why you may not have joy, because you're in a season of acute pain. The answer, come back and remember the love of God. Number three reason you don't have joy, because you're so self-focused. Abide in his example. Okay, let me, let me switch roles here for a second, and you teach me now from God's word. I come into your office, I'm struggling with a lack of joy, constantly thinking about how bad my life is, how hard my life is, how much struggle I have. It's hard, me, me, I, I, me, me, I, I. And you're picking up on that. And you've just read God's word, and you're saying, you know what, can I ask you something? Are you serving anybody right now? And if not, can you think of one thing that you would do today in the name of Jesus, to bless another person, to move from a place of joylessness into a place of joy, to love someone like Jesus has loved you. I ask you the question, okay, well, how far should I take this? I mean, you can overdo this, right? And you say, well, verse 13 says, greater love has no one than this than someone lay down his life for his friends. Oh, that far, huh? I'll tell you the truth. From my experience in 20-plus years of ministry here, some of the greatest decisions that can change a person are found right here. I'm struggling with joy. I need now to choose to find someone that I could love on, to stop thinking about myself and start caring for someone else. I'm gonna love someone like Jesus has loved me. I promise you this church, just watch what that does in your life. And of course, Jesus didn't just do it and call, or call us to do it, he did it himself. Chapters later, he gives up his own life because he loves us so much. Jesus went from the manger to the cross for me, for us, that we might have life. He went into judgment so that we might have joy. These things, he says, I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. And we step back and we say, come on, joy. Come on, joy ride. Joy is heralded all around the world this time, but what we're learning from God's word here as we wrap up is profound. We're learning that joy, real joy, that will never fade, never spoil, never be taken away from you, only comes from Jesus. 
And for me to flood my heart with that kind of joy, I need to be abiding in his love. I need to be making a choice to abide in his word. And I need to be making a choice to abide in his example. And we step back and we say, come on. Come on, joy. Come on, joy ride. Let's go. Let's do this. The song goes, joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. Let me pray. Oh, Lord, lead us into joy. For the hurting heart here today in that season of acute pain. And isn't it true that Christmas brings that out so much more than others? Lord, I pray for that hurting heart that you would in your kindness take their hand and lead them to a fresh view of your love for them your astounding love for them. Lord, for the heart that finds itself in the same place of joylessness, but because they haven't been listening to you, Lord, I pray for a fresh season of renewal in your word. Draw them close to your voice and lead them, Lord. And for the heart that sits there and struggles with joy and it's all about me, me, God, I pray for conviction, a drawing away from self and a drawing into others that you would lead us, Lord, to love as you have loved us. God, we thank you. We thank you that this is not only possible, it's something you expect us to obey in. So please, Lord, as we prayed at the beginning, make this Christmas the most special Christmas ever, the most joyful Christmas ever as we lean into these truths. God, be glorified. Be glorified, Lord, even in our song as we get to finish our service together today singing this amazing truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to have the worship team lead us in a song, and it makes so much sense, doesn't it, that we close out our time with joy to the world. I'll turn it over to you guys.